1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Uplifting Impact, the podcast. I'm Deanna Singh, the Chief Change Agent with Uplifting Impact, and I'm so excited to be hosting all of you today as we dive deeper into our journey on how to make our workplaces more inclusive. Today, I'm so excited to be talking to someone I have admired for decades. Friends, I want you to hear me say this again. Decades, I've been like, wow, this person... Really knows how to move in the world. It's a Mr. Michael Barber. And Michael is a retired corporate officer of General Electric Company. He's held roles as a division president and in product management, operations, marketing, and strategy after starting his career as an engineer in the healthcare division. He also was the chief diversity officer of GE from 2020 until his retirement in 2022. And I like to think. He's also been a mentor of mine through all that time. So it's been awesome to be able to see him take in all these different roles and really excel in all of those different areas. So, Michael, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you.
0: Diana, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to the conversation.
1: Absolutely. And I have to also give one other piece of of Michael's bio here. He also shared it as a fun fact. Um, But Jackie, his wife, is also in the community doing so many amazing things. And so I literally, like, I'm like, there are times in my life where I'm like, what would Jackie do? Okay, I'm going to do that. What would Michael do? Okay, I'm going to do that. So... (laughs) Today, you're going to get to hear from him uh, and, I think curiously, uh, also learn, you know, some of the things that the two of them share together. So really excited to have you have you here.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. As you know, Jackie is the force of nature for this. <laughs>
1: Awesome. So one of the things that I thought would be really kind of cool to talk about is what you're doing right now Um, and really like how you've been feeling since retirement, because I think a lot of us are in the depths of this work and doing it on a daily basis. So I'm just curious, like, can we start with how has life changed now that you are in this phase of, of, of what you're doing?
0: Uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying retirement uh, I tell people I miss the team everyone always says you miss the team you do miss the people but the grind of the the work and all those kind of things and um, it's it's for the rest who are left behind and they're doing a great job so I'm enjoying myself uh, doing some things um, reading doing some some traveling reconnecting with some friends and and the like uh, and then serving on a couple of corporate boards
1: so awesome and and one of the things you did too so i also want to publicly thank you for this was writing a review on the back of action speak louder so i know for a fact he's reading books because he wrote that book and gave such amazing feedback i think the last changes i made were because of things that you um pointed out michael that you you know that you added as commentary so thank you for that
0: anything i can do to help always i' <laughs> willing to do that
1: That's awesome. So you became the chief diversity officer in 2020. And I think of all the times to kind of start in that role. um, That was an intense time, right? We were in the middle of the pandemic, there was this movement for social justice and racial justice. I'm curious, like how you felt about coming into the you'd been doing this work, again, in all the capacities that you were in for for many, many years. But how did it feel taking on that role at that moment?
0: And and for us also, GE was going through a transition. We had a new CEO that had come in a couple of years before that, and he asked me to step into the role as a chief diversity officer. And he really wanted to make it a business imperative versus business leaders sort of looking to the HR team and saying, "Okay, whenever there's a question around diversity, look to those and they'll take care of it for me. And so along with the George Floyd and the, the racial reckoning that you talked about, not just in the U.S., but around the world... He really wanted to ingrain this in a different way in the company, Uh, and so that's what we uh, set out to do, uh, is to really make it something that was within the fabric of the things that we did.
1: And how did it, I guess, feel? Because that's a different... I mean, that's so many things that are moving pieces, but it's also kind of helping with a mind shift, right? Because not everybody is thinking about it even now, right? Is thinking about this as a strategic initiative versus something that sits over here on the side is just a program nice to have. What what did it feel like to be kind of charged with that responsibility?
0: Well, at that time, the awareness piece was there. Mm-hmm. It was on the evening news every night. And so that, that piece made it easy from that perspective to get people's ear. Uh, people, you know, it was all about getting uncomfortable at that point in time and having these kinds of conversations. So it wasn't a problem opening any door or having people answer the phone when, I, when they saw a call from me or get on a meeting with me. So that time made some of that easier, quite honestly. Um, but it also made it that I think people were more willing to listen than they may have in the past. Uh, and so for me, I wanted to make sure that we seized on that opportunity. Uh, to make sure that it wasn't just, you know, every, is it a movement or a moment? It was going to be more than a moment because the it, it was a start of a conversation, but it definitely wasn't the end.
1: And do you um, feel that that, like, movement, I love that. It, it has to be a movement, not a moment. And that's some of, the, you know, what we've been trying to express to people, too, that this can't, this isn't something that you just do, oh, we did it, we're done we're inclusive. Boom, boom, boom. Goodbye. You know that this has to be something that really does track over time. Are you still feeling that movement kind of um, from the boards that you sit on, from the work that you're doing and the colleagues that you have?
0: I absolutely feel that. I still, people still reach out from other companies um, that want to discuss want to understand, want to learn. There are, um, you know, as individuals who are getting into the role of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, Uh, But also, again, business leaders, and this is what it really takes. The leader of the business has to feel that this is something worthwhile, something important. Uh, And then, quite honestly, books like yours, which are not just talking about things, but can provide a set of actionable steps and activities and processes that can get ingrained Because that's what businesses run on. They know how to run process. They want want to get growth. They want to attract new customers. They want to get more profitable. They put responsibility. Somebody's responsible for it. Accountability on the team. uh, And then they put some type of process in place. And so for DEI, we put those same things in place. You'll get that sustained uh, long-term results that you want to have. And so having a book like yours, which can give them practical things that they can do, uh, is so very important.
1: Well, thank you very much for that. I do really appreciate it. And I, I see it, right? Like, when you're thinking about something from a strategic standpoint, that's how you really ingrain it in the culture of the organization. And at its core, that's what diversity, equity, and inclusion is. We we are trying to change the culture of an organization. And you can't do that unless you are having the conversations around strategy. So, that, that to me um, is just like, a, yes, you know, when we don't see that, then like, that's the biggest red flag. If you're not thinking about this from a strategic standpoint, you're going to run into so many different problems because people are going to get tired. It's going to get deprioritized. Um, you're not going to see the impact of it. So then people will say, why are we doing this? There's no impact. I, I can't see anything happening because it wasn't embedded in the right spot.
0: That's right. And for me, especially in, in their diversity, equity, and inclusion are actually unique, have unique attributes. Each of them have different things that have to be done. And when we would talk about inclusion. I would, I would talk to, is we just have to build high-performing teams. We want mm-hmm. an environment where there's going to be a high-performing teams where business results are going to get better. And if you look at the kind of descriptors you have for a high-performance team, everybody with a shared goal, they trust each other, Uh, They feel safe bringing up new ideas and you look at what you want in an inclusive environment. They're very much the same. Uh, And so for me, when people start talking about, well, diverse teams do better, it's no high performing teams do better. If you have a high performing environment and then you work on diversity and making sure you have a variety of ideas, because that's going to drive innovation, that's going to give you. New thoughts, new ideas, new things to change. Because you have a diversity of people that are working apart, it. That's when things start really happening. Uh, and so, you know, it's not just you know, get okay. I want to hire some more people. I'm going to promote this person. I'm going to have this woman run this division. No, you have to have an inclusive environment and build high performing teams. And again, nobody can. Hopefully, nobody in business is going to say, no, no, no. I don't want a high performing team.
1: We're doing
0: <laughs> as we are, so. For me, that's and that's what I've seen in my career. That's what I did build high performing teams and make sure those teams are diverse and everybody's respected and their ideas are valued.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's the at the end of the day, that's what I try to help people understand. This isn't something that's brand new. The sector, in and of itself, if you look at like how different sectors come into place and academia and all of that, it is still relatively new, right? It's growing in what kind of resources and tools and things that we're building. That's super exciting. But a lot of what we're talking about. Is grounded in basic leadership skills. It's grounded in how we build those teams. It's gro- so even though the way that we're talking about it and the language that we can use about and the tools are growing, a lot of the fundamentals of what we're sharing are really about leadership and leadership development. If you aren't an inclusive leader, you are not a good leader. It, there, there's no, <laughs> there's no way to, there's no way to have one without the other.
0: That's right. That's right. And. and you know, many companies talk about our people, our greatest assets, how employed and employees are. And as you're saying, it is about the culture and it's manifest. How does that really manifest itself? Now, the piece around making sure they're diverse and diversity is not just in a pocket of one department or one layer in the organization, but all the way through the executive ranks, all the way through the, the senior leadership team to the board, every aspect of that being diverse and, and taking specific, actionable steps to make sure that that happens and that there is a pipeline, that's real work. Right? Yeah. Just like being an inclusive leader and, and growing your leadership skills is real work. That side is real work as well. And both things have to really come together.
1: Yeah. So I, have, I do have another question here. So one of the um you know things that we really stress and one of the things we really try hard to help people understand is that what you're doing has to be more than just superficial, right? It it can't just kind of sit at the, we're saying a lot of nice things, I, thus the title of the book, Actions Speak Louder, like we're saying the right things, we, we got the right bumper stickers out and we you know put the right flag up or do whatever it is, that it can't just be there, it has to really be um, much more than just surface level. And so I'm curious, how have you ensured that as you've worked through the different spaces that you've run and, and being the chief diversity officer? How do you move it from superficial to actual?
0: It really starts with what is again, what the business wants to achieve. So one of the things I would do, I would talk to the different business leaders, somebody somebody's running the aircraft engines business or the healthcare business or the power business and say, talk to me about what you want to, where are you at in your business cycle? Because you're at different parts of the business cycle. What do you really want to achieve over the next 12 to 18 months? Let's talk about talent management. How do you think about your team? How are you growing your team? Are you becoming more global? Uh, And then get into, okay, what does it mean from a leadership growth perspective? What does it mean from a diversity perspective? Uh, And just like any other business um, imperative that you're trying to improve, how are you going to gauge progress? What is it that you're going to do to make sure that you're getting better? You wouldn't just say, team, we're going to go and we're going to grow profits in Europe by 50%. See you in 12 months right? You can have (laughs) mechanisms, you can have a way to make sure that those things are happening, put those same kinds of things in place around uh, diversity and inclusion. You can look at representation, uh, but we went through and we actually said, how do you map out someone's career? How do you make sure people are moving through and getting those opportunities? Uh, In different companies, you might, you know, who's getting the bubble assignment? Who's making the presentation to the CEO? Who's talking to the customers? And in each of those elements, is the team diverse? How is that happening? Who's making the decisions to who should be? And if it's not today, okay, what are you going to do to make sure somebody's ready the next time around? Maybe the next time you're going to talk to the customer base and it's all white men doing it. Okay. The next time in three months, we want to have a female and it's a person of color. Who are the people? How are you going to grow them? Who's going to mentor them? Who's going to sponsor them to make sure these things are are happening. So building it into the normal operating structures of the business and things that have to get done and making sure each one of those has a level of diversity and inclusion built into that. That's going to make it. And again, I'll help her in a couple times. How are you going to measure progress? There's nothing that gets done in business where you don't measure progress if you really want to make it better.
1: And I think that that's so interesting, right? Because first of all, I just want to point out a couple of things that you said here. You just gave us a list and I'm going to ask our team to literally write out that list because that should be somebody's not full checklist, but that should definitely be like how you're starting this conversation. Where are you trying to go? What does that look like? Help me understand so that we can figure out what your plan is going to be in order to achieve this. Because I can't just tell you, be more inclusive. Goodbye. We'll see you in six months. See how you did, right? If I haven't defined and helped you understand how that fits into what you're already doing. But also, if we haven't defined what the success looks like, what are those success metrics? I'm I'm curious if maybe because this is a place where people get stuck, right? And they're always like, Deanna, tell me how do I how do I measure whether or not I'm becoming more inclusive?" And they hate it. I could see it on their face. I could see the frustration and anger on their face. And I think I would have it if I was on the other end asking the question. But I always say. It depends because I know that there's this long list of things, right, that we just that you just went through so wonderfully of questions that you got to ask in order to define that. I I can't come in with no knowledge of what you're trying to achieve and help you set metrics. That doesn't make any sense. But I am curious, are there metrics that you've seen that have been really consistent kind of across divisions or across time um, that have helped people like structure what they should be measuring?
0: It is, you know, there's the metrics around representation again. Do you have women and people in color in the organization at the different levels and mid-level managers, executives, et cetera, and and keeping that in front of people and being transparent about it and how are you going to move the needle? What are you doing to increase your pipeline, right? Everyone says, how do you bring people in? But really thinking about the hiring process and map it out. How do you write the job spec? Because there's things, there's studies that have been done around the words that you put in the job spec can attract someone or, turn, you know, someone will stay away from it. So how do you do that? How do you make sure the interview team is diverse? How do you make sure everybody, now the big thing, let's have a a woman of color, a person of color or a woman on the slate? Well, it's been shown if you just put one on a slate of 10, it's just an outlier. You need multiple ones. The slate should be balanced. Uh, And then the interview team should be balanced. Do you have a rubric to make sure that the interview team is asking a, a set of questions where there responses that people give that they can be, um, you can discuss it as a team and it's not just somebody coming, well, I think they're not, they don't have enough executive presence. But What does that mean, right? How do you break that down? And you need to make sure that you can have that discussion of the interview team and you can have a very rich discussion about the candidate and the candidate being able to do the job that you want to put them in. And how is that candidate going to fit within the team? Right. And so you don't want again, you want to have a team of complementary skills, complementary backgrounds, complementary. So sometimes the slate might be more women because you only you don't have any. And you want to make sure you get that perspective. And so having one or two or three, all 10. Right. To make sure that your team, because at the end of the day, it's how do you balance your team and not just this whole thing? I want the best fit for this job. There's so many times where multiple people can do the job. You want to make sure that how they're going to contribute and make your team better uh, and not just think about that specific specific job or specific role
1: so one thing i just want to call out and what you just shared is that so many of those metrics are actually not metrics on outcome they're metrics on process and that i think is important because of course we want to look at the outcomes we want to see what the results are are you actually achieving what you set out to achieve but there also has to be some accountability in what does the process look like? If I keep doing the same thing, I'm not going to, I can't expect different results. That's So right. if I'm measuring yeah. some of my process standpoints, then that's how I'm going to be able to see whether or not what I'm trying is even working, right? Like, so I love that. That's awesome.
0: And you have to and look down, especially if you, again, the output metric of how many women are people of color at the executive ranks. Well, what's the, what's the, pipeline? And, and or do you have people who are coming through? And if, if not, what are you going to do about that? How are you going to make sure you have mentorship programs? How are you going to make sure somebody's going to get sponsored? For me, every, and this is, you and I've talked about this, every senior leader in the organization has to think that they are a sponsor, that right. they are supposed to be sponsoring people. And if they don't have people of color or women as part of their, their network that they can sponsor, they're not doing their company uh, they're doing a disservice to their company. And for yeah. me, they're not doing part of their job because part of their job has to be leadership development such that the company continue to grow and thrive. And so they have to be willing and have in their network women and people of color that they can sponsor, put their political capital behind to say this person, yes, should you should hire them into the job that you have to do this. They're going to be so great for you. And if they're not doing that, then they have to go figure out and spend time to go do that because otherwise they're not doing, they're doing a disservice to the company.
1: So I think that's a call to action to everybody who's listening, who are you sponsoring? And if you're not sponsoring, you better do your homework because it is time to make sure that you have somebody that you're sponsoring. Well, you know, One of the things that I try to do is not just even in my company, but also outside of my company, right? We think about some of these um, opportunities and so many of them on a weekly basis, somebody is calling me to ask about an executive role. I'm looking for this, I need this, What's right? And so if I'm not doing my due diligence and making sure that my network right, is, is pretty diverse and that I have somebody I'm saying, oh, no, I don't have anybody. That's not doing a good job for the person who trusted and, and wanted to reach out to me. But it's also not doing any service for the people who I could be sponsoring. And so making sure I have an Excel document, right? A list of people and people who I know that I'm just watching, I'm paying attention to, kind of seeing where they're moving. So that when I get these calls, I can be responsive. But if we're not being proactive, active about that we're letting those opportunities pass us by
0: that's right you're in the masterclass area i'm just trying to get <laughs> people to, to to start but yes absolutely that's where everyone and, and one of the things that i do is if i'm mentoring someone i ask them who are they mentoring yes they, they have to have a mentee what are they doing because there's someone that's coming behind them that they should be able to reach back and 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 help uh, along the way so that's that's so very important
1: that's awesome. So one last question, and then we'll get some, some information because I know people are going to want to follow you and, and learn more from you. But one quick question. So there's people who are making transitions, whether they're transitioning out of their roles and going to different companies or they're transitioning into retirement. Um, is there any you know suggestions that you would have about how to pass that baton as we're doing this work so that we can keep the momentum going?
0: Recognize that it is a journey. I I have a very good friend, one of my mentors, who used to like to say the journey is the reward, uh, and it's not that you're going to reach some destination and there's some nirvana out there. You have to you have to be um, be very excited about the journey that's going to happen. The journey is going to have twists and turns and roadblocks and dead ends, and how do you get around those, go over those, do those things to make that better? Uh, that's what's important, and that's why. You know, any singular person trying to do something is not enough. It's about that network that you talked about. It's about the people that you uh, leave behind. I, one of the things that I've always done is I want to see people that I've led, people that I've mentored, people that, are they actually achieving? Are they getting into higher positions? Are they getting promoted? Are they starting their own business? Whatever their desire was, are they able to do that? Uh, and if they're, they're, if they're not doing that, what can I do to help even more in that in that perspective? And so uh, as you're doing that, you're going to be instilling in that person uh, that they should be doing more as well. Uh, how do they get involved? How do they become part of a professional organization in wherever city or community that they're in that they can help? How can they reach back into the school system uh, and try to find those, those kids that are out there? Those There's so many incubators now where, where uh, black entrepreneurs are trying to get things started. How do they go, you know, help? Uh, and they might not, they don't, you know, I don't have the answer. I don't know anything about that. Well, you do have a set of skills. Just go and get engaged, get involved, see what you can do to help. Uh, and that's how you're going to help build the legacy and build a, uh, a sustainable pipeline, a sustainable uh, set of activities that'll, that'll continue on much after when, you, when you're no longer
1: part of the picture yeah, no, I love that. Like if you're not infusing some level of service into the work that you're doing, both kind of inside your organization, in your larger community, then the the journey's not as fun. <laughs> You know, like, you can enjoy the journey so much more when you are pouring into other people. And I, I think uh, what's always really fascinating to me is, you know, you think like, oh, I'm pouring into other people. But th- what happens is, is that if you're pouring into somebody else, you're overflowing them, and then they have the ability to put full, to, you know, flow into other people. It is this um, thing that just keeps on reciprocating, right? We, we never run out of our ability to pour into other people. So being able to make that a part of your transition process, I think, um, is really huge. I don't want this conversation to end. Um, I just want to keep you here forever, but I know that I can't. Uh, so for those who are also feeling that it, that desire to want to stay connected, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: The best way is via LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, Michael, Mike Barber. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Be happy to connect with people. Further. Fantastic.
1: So we'll make sure that that goes into the show note. We thank you so much. For everything that you're doing and everything that you've already done too, um, I've seen the people who you have poured into, I feel like I've been one of them, so I, I know what that feels like. I know the people that you're continuing to, to pour into you and Jackie, and it's just phenomenal to see all the way from little kindergarten children, all the way up to people who are the CEOs and you know managing these huge companies and, and doing all these things, your your graciousness um, I hope comes back to you a million fold because it really has made a tremendous difference difference in my life and in the lives of so many other people. And to all of our listeners, because they got a chance to get some of that too. Uh, So thank you, Michael, for being here with us.
0: More than welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been a great, uh, great conversation.
1: Awesome. And those of you who are joining, thanks so much for being with us again for another one of our Uplifting Impact podcasts. We know that we can't do this work by ourselves. We know that in order for us to make substantive change, we need to make sure we have more people who are involved. So if you enjoyed this episode, share it. Make sure that you're pouring into somebody else by giving them access to this kind of information. And also, if you have any other ideas of guests or questions that you have, feel free to reach out to us at our website, UpliftingImpact.com, or you can reach out, of course, on LinkedIn to myself or my co-host, Justin Ponder. We would love to hear from you. Until next week, keep uplifting the impact. Thanks.